Hashem, you have the schus to to continue learning the Sefer Bilvavi Mishkan Evna Chelik Dalit. Before the summer, we started Perik Zayin. We're up to page Ayin Gimel. The Mechaber, the author, is talking about in this Perik Binyan Pnimius Halev, how to build, how to build this, to build and to strengthen the inwardness of the heart, the Pnimius Halev. To serve HaKadosh Baruch not in a way that's shallow or superficial, but Pnimius Halev. And that's based upon living with the site, the very fundamental principle of the Ramchal, that we spent a lot of great time learning in the first Chalik, those who were learning, who learned back then, the first Chalik with us, that the Ramchal writes very clearly in Mesil Sesharim, that the Tachlis of life is Kirvis Hashem, Kirvis Elokim. As David Malach said, Kirvis Elokim, Kirvis Hashem is Li Taiv. The definition of Taiv, of good, of the greatest good in a person's life is Kirvis Hashem. And therefore the Tachlis of one's life is to break down those barriers, those Mechitas, that are separating between himself and the Kodesh Baruch so, once it has been revealed to us through Dovin HaMalch and over and over throughout Tanakh in this past parasha and the coming parashas, especially during this time of El, we, learn, we read this in the parashas, once it's been revealed to us what the taif is, that the definition of taif, of good, is attachment to Kaddish Baruch Hu, then the question is, is that Toiv, is that definition of Toiv alive in your heart? Is that what you live with? What is Toiv to you? What is what is the ultimate good that you want out of life that you that you're living for? If if that Toiv of Kirvas Hashem of closeness to Hashem is a Lebedik Hagosha, a living feeling within you, and you think about this. So then, so then we understand what we just read in the Torah last week. Rei mesatel lefanacha sechayim is a toiv. There it says Rei anachnis mufnechem hayyim, and then later on in the Tzavim, Vayelch says Rei, look and see mesatel lefanacha sechayim is a toiv. I have given before you, I have placed before you life, sechayim vesatoiv, and all that is good. And then Hakadosh Baruch Hu says uvachar tevachayim. And you shall choose life. But in order to be able to make that choice, which is the most important choice of our lives, which is why we were put here, in order to be able to truly choose that and want that, we're learning that we have to feel in a very deep and honest way that this is the ultimate taif. This is the ultimate good. Since the Torah says, Re'ei, look, I am placing before you I'm giving you the opportunity to choose life, and it's good. You shall choose life. The fact that Akash Baruch told us to do that doesn't. That might it might help to get us 
to keep Shabbos and you know, not to do bad stuff and to try to be good boys and girls to the best of our ability to see what we can do. But that the emes, the emes, that we should be able to live, we should live in a, in a way of of, of dveikas b'shem and to feel pnimis, a connection to Kadosh Baruch Hu, of a charta b'chaim. That's only that, that's only what you understand as being toy. Whatever person sees as being good for him, he tries to have. If the air conditioning would be broken on these days, then a person would would contact somebody, would try to find out. How could this be fixed? Why? Because the air conditioning is tight. And if someone says to you, you shall choose air conditioning over the lack of air conditioning, it's the most obvious thing in the world to you because air conditioning is tight. To be comfortable is good, and to be uncomfortable is not good. If a person just says the words that Yiddishkeit, being a Jew, is good, you say those words that being a Jew is good, but you don't feel that it's not only that it's good, but it's the ultimate good. So then you might be able to live your life till 120 observing mitzvahs to some degree and not doing a virus, hopefully, but that you should live in a way of pneus, of inwardness and of simcha and rotsen and excitement with Yiddishkeit looking forward to a Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, not just saying the words. This is the most exciting time of the year we're coming to now. It's unbelievably exciting. And each and every one of us knows that we sometimes have to struggle with not feeling a certain dread, not only because it would be because of the Pachat, of the Din, it'd be one thing, just because it's a hard time. We don't feel the Masikas, the sweetness of this time of the year. It's an unbelievable masikas. When you know that it's taif, what greater good can there be that, that the Bari the creator of the world, gave us an opportunity like this, of that he's so close to us, and there's such a gewaltige hashpah. Right now, there's a tremendous hashpah that Hashem Baruch sends into our lives of him, of himself. And Hashem Baruch says, this is taif, but you have to, you have to believe that it's taif. If you don't see it as being tight, and you don't feel that it's tight, the fact that you say that it's tight, you know, I haven't had a drink of tea in, in over in over 40 years. I haven't had any tea. Now, some of you might enjoy tea. I know now they make a lot of different things with tea. The whole Snapple is... I didn't know this, by the way, until recently. I thought there were different flavors, but really it's all... Isn't it? I think it's all tea. Maybe I'm wrong. One of the children told me they really eat tea with other flavors in it. So... The reason I haven't had tea since, since so for over 40 years is because because my mother, she should be well believed that every refuah in Yeshua depends on having tea. And and whenever whenever I didn't feel well, so my mother wanted me to have burning hot tea. There were other things that also were part of that uh, whole thing. Vicks vapor rubbed and putting my head over a steaming pot. And other and then having a machine running in my room all night. It was like a schwitz, but I couldn't see anything. <laughs> there were different parts of it, but this part of the tea stands out very strongly that even the smell of it gets me nervous. And the whole time my mother was saying, this is so good. Ah, oh, is this good? This is so good. Say, so, mommy, it's very, it's very good. But ever since then, I haven't been able to touch this stuff because the fact that, my, the fact that it probably was good and who could I trust more in the world than my mother to say that it's good? But Lamaisa, I didn't believe it was good. 
I didn't feel that it was good. It didn't taste good. They're chairs. I didn't. I didn't taste that it was good. That it was officially. That it was officially good. Say that. But if you don't feel that it's good and you don't believe that it's good, then it's very hard to taste anything that's good in it. It's very hard to. It's very hard to experience any goodness in that. So that's really, that's that's what we're, our avoid is the entire year, but especially now. To to come to that place of of and to feel the toiv of what it means to be a Jew, and only through that can we build the pnimius of our of our hearts of our Yiddishkeit. So we're on page Ayin Gimel. Look inside. You know, we're just going to review that paragraph. Four lines down, we, we we're up to the we're up to the middle paragraph of Mimela. But let's start from the last paragraph that we did. We did it at the end before the summer very quickly. Kolzman. Four lines from the top on page Ayin Gimel. Kolzman sheodem lehevius atzma lematzav shuhum havel beemes is calling Until a person has reached the point where he understands that all other definitions of taiv in the world. A hevel, on Arishkeit. What does that mean, hevel? It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy, you you can't enjoy uh, a stroll in the park and you can't enjoy your favorite ice cream. Of course, there's all wonderful things that Hakadosh has created in the world for us to enjoy. But there's a difference between there's a difference between enjoying something, having a pleasure from something, and identifying it as taif, as the ultimate. As seeing, uh, seeing that as such a degree, a level of type of good, that that your heart, you know, your heart is is connected to that, and and has a, and has a deep pleasure from something. It's not the ultimate tachlis. The person knows that something is hevel. It's not something is is nairishkeit. It's not the same thing. So he says, "Kolzman shodem lahevius atzmul amatzav shu mahavel veemses kolyani amazek kolzman shenamargish bechush." As, lo- as long as the person does not feel bechush, not says the words, but bechush, bechush means to mamish feel it. As Divya Hermesil Shamat Ramchal writes, ki rak zehu hatoif. Only this is the ultimate good. Ki rak zehu hatoif, meaning kirvas Hashem, closeness to Hashem. Again, Ramchal is not saying that one cannot enjoy a good meal or a day in the park. That's not what Ramchal is saying. There's a difference between enjoying and focusing uh, all your vitsayness on something which you want and identifying it as the most important thing in your life, as the priority of your life. So he says, Kirak zehu hatayv, anything else that, a, that any human being defines as taif, as being, as being innately, inherently good, eno elahevel vishav neta. Is hevel is foolishness, silliness, mishav nita, and a and, and a distortion of the truth. Libai margish shahatoiv hoha'elam hazeh. If a person's heart feels that the ultimate good is this world, is elam hazeh, hachumrius physical reality. If a person feels that, then whether you're happy or you're sad, will be entirely dependent upon whether or not you're successful 
in Olam Hazeh, whether or not you're, you're getting what you want out of this world. I've never met a person in my life who, who, who felt that he's gotten all that he wants out of this world. And Chazal already said that in many different ways. That a person doesn't leave this world feeling that he's gotten all that he wants in this world. If that's what he considers to be the type, is this world. This world has a way of eluding a person. And it's a world that's filled with all kinds of, of little tidbits of taiv with much bigger shtiklach, much bigger pieces of, of aggravation, of aggravation and disappointment. So the person's definition of taiv, of good, if the person feels in his heart, it doesn't make sense what he says with his mouth, but if in his heart he feels that the ultimate taiv is enjoying this world, so then it's impossible for him to feel in the depths of his heart the joy and the pleasure of being a Jew. It's impossible. Why? Tsaris is the halachic term for a husband who has two wives. You know that according to the Torah it's possible for a man to be married to more than one woman. The, those two women are called by Chazal Tsaris. And there's a reason why they're called Tsaris. Not to say that each one of them is not a nice lady. Each one of her own is a nice lady. But the two of them together is Tsaris. Tsaris, they're competing with each other to the point that, like we see in the Megillah East, Tsar of Oyev, when there's a person who feels that the other is taking over my entire life. And, and it's taking everything that I want. That's called tsar. Like the word tsar means a very narrow place that you're stuck in something. And these two wives are called tsaris. Similarly, a person who wants Ilam Haza and Ilam Haba, and he wants to have what they call by the Goyim the best of both worlds. You ever hear that? You've heard that expression? The best of both worlds. A person who a person who says that doesn't understand the most basic reality that those two worlds have a relationship of tsaris with each other. Meaning, like they also said in the old in the old westerns, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. And the meaning of this town not being big enough for the two of us is the way that the Balatanya describes the battle that's taking place between the Nefesh HaBahamis, the animal soul, and the Nefesh HaLakis, and the godly soul. Each one is vying to win completely. It's not that each soul, each part of us, is polite to the other and wants the other to be there, just like in the case of the two wives. They might be smiling at each other, but each one is hoping that the other one dies. And or, or if not die, then go someplace else. So... The same thing with the Nefesh al-Kis and Nefesh al-Bahamis. Olam Hazan and Olam Haba are in a state of Tsaris with each other. They don't want each other. Each one wants to be Minatseyach, wants to be entirely victorious, wants to be completely, completely victorious, and, and that the, the other one should not exist at all. So, so it is with Olam Hazan and Olam Haba. Again, it doesn't mean that you can't be attached to Hashem while enjoying your coffee. Of course you can. But 
What our problem is is not our problem is not enjoying a, a, a coffee or enjoying a little bit of a vacation. That's not our problem. Our problem is that in the depths of our heart, it's that's that is seen as something which is a, we feel that we experience that as a toiv more than we experience an ashray and a yishtabach as toiv, more than we experience a mitzvah or a piece of Torah as toiv, to the point that. The way that we measure time, there are chairs here, it's Rahmanistan. If you to sit down to Shkaihta. That that we we lose we lose our sense of what what is simply a pleasure that Hashem has provided us with to help us relax a little bit and remain focused on the time and we and we forget Shkaifa. We forget and we begin to see that as being Taif. So this definition of Eilam Hazeh and Eilam Haber as state service hands as being like two wives who are married to one guy, that's that comes to us from Kedivei Chavis Alavavis from the Sefer, the very famous and important Sefer from Rabbeinu B'chai of Chavis Alavavis. The Harotzen, the Harotzen, yachet im kinyani Each and every person would like to have the best of both worlds, and I want to combine, I want to be able to combine my Avedis Hashem together with being very successful in this world. Again, it doesn't mean you can't be an El Chayid and have a nice house, but it's not, but it's a question of what's the tachlis of your life? What's the tachlis? Of why are you here? And what do you see as being the purpose of existence? That very idea that's called having the best of both worlds and not seeing the two worlds as tsarists that are competing one with the other, that is as foolish as thinking that you could make peace between fire and water, that you could join together fire and water, or Palestinians and Jews, that's as foolish as that, as that musag to think such a thing. Only in Shemaim can they do such a thing. In this world, a person has to realize that it's either it's either or. And either or, I must emphasize, doesn't mean that, you, that a Jew has to live a life of deprivation, God forbid. And the Shama of a Jew comes from a place of very great pleasure, of Gan Eden, of Einig Elyon, of the highest and deepest pleasure. But it's a question of what do you see as the Tachlis, and what do you see as the, the ultimate Taif in life. So we continue. What happens to this person? is that he begins to forget. He begins to forget. It starts in the heart, where intellectually, in his mind, he knows that Yiddishkeit, or Kivas Hashem, closeness to Hashem, is the ultimate good, like Ramchal says, and it's the tachlis of being in this world. And if anybody asks you that, you, you give the right answer. You know the right answer to the question. That, but in the heart, wow. in the heart, you, you have forgotten that. In the heart, you say it with your mouth. You answer the question right on the test. You might even tell it to your kids. You might tell your kids that the ultimate tachlis, the ultimate tachlis is kivas Hashem, but the children can tell if that's how you're living or not. The children know what, what the parents think is taif. The children can tell what is taif to the parents because they see what excites their parents. They see what makes them happy. They see what motivates their parents. Children are very, very smart. So you might tell your kid, 
that the that the greatest the greatest tachlis, the greatest my greatest taif and the tachlis of my life is the Rebbeinu but they don't understand because according to their understanding, if something is taif, then you then you want to have it all the time. If something is taif, then you want it, and you want it, and you're excited about it. So the father tells if the father tells the children that that Yiddishkeit is is taif and Tamu ki taif Hashem. And he learns the Mesil Shom of his son, and Kivas of Akim, closeness to God is the ultimate tachlis of his life, and it's taif. So then the, ha- then the child doesn't understand that my father doesn't seem to really be enjoying that. I see him much more excited and happy when he's doing other things. When he's in shul, he doesn't seem to be interested. When he's learning, he seems to be easily, easily distracted. I don't see that that's the taif. You could tell when, you could tell what is the taif by somebody. You meet a simple peasant or a simple farmer someplace, and 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 he's sitting there with his buddies having a glass of beer. You know, there are no pretenses, and it's sort of and it's and it's and you know what? It's a, it's a sort of a, a simple and sweet life because they don't have to live with any kind of a guilt that there's some ramchal that's uh, nudging at them. You know what I'm saying? So he asked he asked this fellow, "What's good? What could be better than this? It's my favorite beer. I'm off, you know, whatever for three days. I'm here with my buddies." My favorite team is on the is on the on the big screen. That's the tachlis ataif, and he feels it and he says it, and 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 he makes a lechayim and that's it. He's done. So we're in this funny situation. So we we, we do the mitzvahs and we live as Jews and we say the tachlis ataif, but we're dreaming about the we're dreaming about the beer, not not the beer because that that's a foul thing. But whatever your whatever your beer happens to be. You know, everybody has their pleasure. So the children pick up on this, and this is this is the the real cause of the real cause, the deeper cause of the of the shvirsakelim that the children are going through has really not that much to do with not much not that much to do with this teacher or that teacher or this school or that school or whether it's ivrit bivrit or anglit anglit or whatever they're doing. That really is that. That's just a way of shifting the blame as and that's what we that's what we're in the habit of doing. The real the real problem is that the children see what's the taif? What's your taif? What's the masikas? What's sweet in your life? And they could see what you really, really see as being taif, as really being sweet and good. And how much you enjoy that and how much you want that. And if it's not Yiddishkeit then it's something else. But the problem that we have is that is that we can't really say what it is. So the children also pick up on a certain amount of hypocrisy and that hurts them very much because with our mouths we're telling them that the ultimate tachlis is to be a Jew but in our lives if they don't see that in our lives so then they feel that they they feel that they're being that they're being treated in a dishonest way they're being they're being they're living with people who are not honest either teachers or other or, or parents who are not being honest so when that happens Ramela nishkach this is the time of the year we're coming, we're getting ready for Yom Hazikaran. This is the time to remember. It's the opposite of forgetting. It's the time to remember. So Mimela Nishkach Menabalibo, when the heart begins to forget, it begin it begins in the heart. The heart starts to forget. Now even though in the beginning intellectually I I I accepted the truth and I spoke of it in such a way, but over time, this this forgetfulness 
spreads from the heart to the mind. So first it's something that in your heart you don't feel that as the taif. But that spreads to the mind. So eventually, even in your head, you don't really think that it's taif. And you might continue to say it, but in your mind, it's not really how you see it, what you define as being taif. When this toiv, when the toiv is forgotten in the mind of a Jew, then what happens is, it's it's very hard, more than hard, it's really impossible that your mitzvahs should be done with pnimius alayv, with the inwardness of the heart. The heart has forgotten the truth of what toiv is, and the mind no longer really believes it and accepts it. So you go through the motions of being Jewish, but those motions are very, very lifeless and very empty, which is the meaning of milumada. Mitzvahs anoshem milumada, it says in the Pasuk, when a person does mitzvahs just in a way of rote by rote, without feeling, without caring, without emotion. And there are people who live their relationships like that also. You have marriages like that, and you have friendships like that, where where they've become mitzvahs anashim milumada, where the two who are in that relationship go through the motions of, of caring for each other and of loving each other and of being friends with each other. But since in the Pneumius there is not a feeling that this friendship is lead taif, and the kirva between myself and that person is not is not taif, so then then one goes through, might go through the motions, but it's, but it's very, very sad and very empty. Therefore, the Ikr Shairish Ha'avayda, the main root of one's Avayda Sashem, Ikr Shairish Ha'avayda, who Lavarya Reishis Bira Amiti Belev, is to first clarify in a very, very, very in a very clear and beautiful way, in a true way, in a sincere and genuine way, in the heart. Now, this could take some time. This, this takes a lot of davening and a lot of avayda. Mahu be'emes ha'tayv. Mahu be'emes ha'tayv. What really, what really is tayv? Mahu be'emes. What is the tayv in life? Do I really feel that the ultimate tayv is kirves alukim? If I do, if I do, then I have to then I have to adjust the details of my life to express and to be a manifestation of that feeling that I have. But that will come in a very strong and natural way. Because since you feel that's the taif, then you don't have to convince a person to choose life if a person can't breathe. And someone says, here, I have some oxygen that you don't have to convince the person to talk him into it. He, he feels that this is my life, and there's nothing better in the world than to breathe. Masha'ani can have a person, if a person, unfortunately, does not really feel that that, that is the taif, kirvisulakim. So that itself requires a great amount of work, which is the, which we're going, to be, we're going to be learning throughout the Sefer, of how to be able to strengthen that feeling 
that this is the ultimate taif. Kirvis Kim is the ultimate taif. Obviously, learning Torah, learning a lot of Torah, and especially learning the Yisaitis of Amuna, the fundamental Ikarim principles of Amuna in a deep in a deep way, that certainly strengthens that Hakara. But it has to do with much more than that. It has to do with those who have the those who have the second chelik and, and could take a look at the chapters on Ahava Tlivadava and Ahava Shaina Tlivadava, appreciating what a Kashbarhu is for us and what he's done for us and so on, and recognizing him every moment of life in our lives and how and how everything that we have every single second it's it's him. It's only him. And there are many, many other things that we're going to talk a lot more about. But only in such a way can a person actually can a person actually um, begin to keep mitzvahs in a way that that the mitzvah is not something which is a burden and the mitzvah is not something which is just an obligation or responsibility, but the mitzvah is mamish the chiyas of a person. It's mamish the most enjoyable, the most enjoyable chiyas, and, and, and it's it's wonderful and fun and good. and we feel that the emes. There's the biggest chus to daven. It's the biggest chus to keep Shabbos. The biggest chus to learn. It's the biggest chus to 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 do a taiva for a year. To 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 to, to be mesakin and mida. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a joy and it's a pleasure. Not just that we say those things, but that our that our children should see on us, and that we should be able to see in each other and ourselves that that is the is is the ultimate taiva in my life. Hakadosh Baruch Hu bara anoshem ba'olam. Hashem is Baruch has created many people in the world. If you stop and you ask a person, or you can ask a lot of people, including the guy in the beer with, in the in the bar with his friends drinking the beer, what is good? Vada Yanu, one of the most popular answers to that question of Mahutayv. Zvadayanu is kikesev hudavataiv. Money. Money is a davataiv. If you don't have money, you can't get beers. Right? Or whatever your whatever your pleasure is. It depends on having money. So so if you if you would ask people, Mahutaiv, Vada Yanu kikesev hudavataiv. To have money. Is a davataiv. When someone says money is a davatayv, money, they're not just saying that with their mouth. That's not just something they, they be'emes, be'emes believe in that. They believe in that and they feel that. Their entire existence is screaming. When they're walking, when they're walking in the street, it's like they're carrying a big sign, like you know when people are striking? It's like carrying a big sign that says, I love money. I love money. Their entire existence is screaming that, I want, have, have, give me, give me, I love money. And how do you know that? Why? What, because the person is wearing a nice outfit? No. But there's nothing wrong with dressing nice. The person has a nice house? No. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. Again, the Rabbi Shalom wants even 
to have good things and to enjoy. That's not the problem. That's not what it is. So how do you know? What, what is it that's screaming in this person that's making such a loud noise that what? That ani oyhev kesef. Ani oyhev lechaymeit lemamon. From where does it come from? So royim al-mahim chayshim kalhayoyim. You could see what people are thinking about all day long. You could see what people are thinking about. What are they talking about? What are they thinking about? What's on their minds? Now, you can't read a person's mind, but you really don't have to do that, because it's pretty much, uh, it's, it's not inside the head, it's, it's, it's outside the head. It's all over the place. That, right, a person thinks about all, all day long, and what he talks about, that's what he loves. Right? That's what he loves. You know, you have to go to the dentist sometimes, but I never hear people talking about, oh, I had such a good you know, no, I had a toothache, and I went to the dentist, and it was so nice, he put on some music, and he gave me a shot, and, me, and, and the other person says, yeah, and they start sharing, you know, about how they go to the dentist. You have to go to the dentist, but people don't talk about that, it's not, I don't mean anything against dentists, they're going, they're going uh, uh, mitzvah. But that's not, but that's not what a person considers taiv, and it's one of those things in life that you have to do. But, it's not toyven. I mean, they're not thinking about it. Maybe the dentists do even. They probably don't do things about it so much because it's an unpleasant thing. So the, you, you don't think about it. You don't talk about it. You, you do it. You have to do it. You, you do But when you see that a person, when you see the person behind Choshem Kalayan, Amahim Esaychem, what are they talking about? What are they thinking about? What are they talking about? I saw with, for most of the women, that's not, that's not really such a, a big Indian uh, the moments, but it has to do more with what you can buy with the money. Maybe the men are talking more about making the money, and the, but the women are talking about are talking more about what what do we spend the money on? Like what do we do with this that our husbands, you know, bring home, or some of the women that have to that have to bring home money now a lot more women than ever before have for themselves bring money if they want to have more things or just to, just to manage whatever. But but. What does a person talk about when when the when the women are sitting together, you know, when they're sitting together? What do they talk about? What's on their minds? So, w- women will talk more about children and other things, of course. Uh, but again, what what is it that's choshev to you? What's important to you? What do you talk about? Everything seems to revolve around this one thing, Kesef. Imkain, Hemleirak Yoidim Shekesef Udovatayv. Any of those people that you've interviewed and you ask them, what do you think is, what, what's good? So, any of those people, when they say that they, when they say to, to have a lot of money because you can do a lot of stuff, so when they say that, Hemleirak Yoidim Shekesef Udovatayv, it's not just that they know in their brains that money is a good thing. Hem Chayim Shultayv. They're very sincere. Everything in their lives is demonstrating in a very clear and powerful way that kesef is taif. You see, that's what I do most of my life. I'm seeking it. I'm, I'm making it. I'm spending it. I'm collecting it. I'm talking about it. it that's, that's the taif. That's the taif. Okay, 
when a person when a person lives this way he lives a life with that strong feeling that kesef is taiv that money is the good again it's not that he wants to say i'll just hold on to some bills but what he could do with the money but he wants money when a person lives in that way not just that he talks about it a little bit i mean he bemis lives a life of kesef then noilad by chush reach hechan nitan lahavir kesef you see people it's not always like this not always like this, but you see people that they have an unbelievable chush. They have an unbelievable feeling, a way to feel how to make money. And how to make money. People, people who are wealthy, oftentimes what he's saying, that because anything in life that becomes the focal point of your existence, where you see that as the ultimate type, where every thought and breath is is tied up to that type, the way it is that you develop a chush for it. You begin to develop a special feeling and a sensitivity to the point where there's a chush that a person who lives in money can smell money. He can smell that this is an opportunity. He can smell You see people that have these brilliant ideas of how to make money that that another person who's very, very intelligent, who's very, very, could be much, much smarter than this rich guy, but he never would have, he never would have smelled that opportunity to make money, even though he could use the money, and maybe he, you know, he, he's, he's not doing well, and he has to, he has to support this family, he can't afford to do this and to marry that one off and to pay for the mortgage or the bills, but he doesn't have a chush for making money. Not because he's not intelligent. He has a different chush. He has other chush. But a chush for making money he doesn't have. You see people like that. Very, very smart people. Skytenished. Doesn't go. Smart people. Then you see people who are not, who are not necessarily so intelligent. But uh, they walk around like, like you know, like, uh, like, like, uh, like the dogs that are checking for, you know. And they can smell, they can smell when there's something with money. They can smell it. And they could pick up on that on that scent, and they could find it as a way to. Uh, and sometimes, you know, somebody will share with me like one of their adventures of of, of making money and have. And I, I'm so in this problem. Who would ever think of such a thing? The answer is, those who don't think about anything else would think of such a thing. That's the answer. If you don't think of anything else, you'll think of that. That's one of the things that's in the catalog of people who only think about that. But if you think about other things. So then that's not, that's just not, you don't have that fat, you know, you don't have that fat catalog. You just have like a little skinny pamphlet of how to make money. And there are also pages missing. In it. But you have a little, you have a little pamphlet. But, but if you have, if you have a, a chush, I'm not talking about there are times in a person that it falls on a person such an Indian that comes, whatever it is, a schusavis, whatever it might be, that it, there's such an Indian that a person doesn't have a chush at all and it falls on him. That's coming from a different place and a higher place. That's something else. But I'm talking about a person who's who develops a chush. That person, that person, because he lives in this Indian, because he lives in this Indian, so he has a chush reach. Hechan nitan laaviach kasef. Hechan that we were necessarily and the children kept on asking. We were going through these checkpoints, you know, when you necessarily have to go through a lot of 
these checkpoints. And, and when you get it, when you drive up to the place, so they look inside the car, so, you know, they, they, they're saying, okay, you know, go ahead. So the children like, were, were totally baffled by that. So said, how do they know that you're not, how do they know you're just in, like some guy, that's some Arab that's dressed up, you know, to look like a Jew? So what are they, because every time, because I was driving this, this, uh, this big truck that someone lent me, and every time we came to one of these things, they look inside, and they, okay, go. So how do how do the kids how do how did you know this? Could, this whole thing could be a front, and it could be, and, and, and the guy just lets us through like that. What is this? So I tried to explain that that they have a chush. We hope that 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 uh, we hope that Hashem Shabbos should watch over everybody, and that and that they should be able to that the chush should work. But there's a chush the people in the airport. The people at these places, that there's a certain chush of, of how to see a person, of how to look at a person, of how to see something in the eyes, a certain body movement. It's, it's a big chachma. But it's not just that it's a chachma. They live in that Indian. They live in the Indian of, 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 um, this, of this shmira to, to protect. They live in that Indian. And whenever you live in an Indian, you, you develop a chush for it. You develop a sense of it. So when you see, when you see, uh, tzaddik and the tzaddik is so, the tzaddik is the way that he davens, the way that he does a mitzvah, the way that, the way that he gives a, a shalom aleichem with such a, a fire and such a, a chiz. So the, the tzaddik has a chush. He has a chush. To, he has a chush for a yid. He could tell a Jew. When there's a, he could see a Jew that's a, that's a, that's a special special Jew, he could see that he's able to see in a person. He has a chush because he lives in that Indian of kivus Kim. Therefore, he's able to pick up on that on that frequency, that scent of this is a Jew. Like we have many stories like that, where there are people that everybody else said ah, ah, ah is no good, and the tzaddik knew that oh, this is like the famous story, you know, Chazkula. Uh, what's the name? Shem Shabbos. Shem Shabbos. That Shlom used to say over the story. It's put down in one of the, in the introduction to one of the svar. That that, uh, that 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 you had many stories like that, but other people can't. And Mamish, they Mamish with using even the sense of smell. There's a famous mice with Divichaim. Divichaim is in a certain place. Yeah, you, I'm sure you know the story. I'm not going to say the whole mice, but there was a story of Divichaim that they were going to Divichaim to a certain town. And he was visiting the Divichaim, was smelling. He said, "There's something very, very holy in this place, in this house." And uh, they knocked on the door, and he said, "What is this?" So Divichaim said, "Do you mind? There's something in here. It has a smell of Gan Eden." And the Yid was a very posh the Yid. And he said, "I don't know." I don't know. And the, Reb, the Divichaim was just walking through the rooms, like this, smelling. And then he came. He came to a room, and he said, "Would you mind? It's in, it's in one of the drawers of this. There was a dresser. It's in one of the drawers." And by this time, the Yid is like deep, deep, deep colors, you know. And, and he said, oh, there's nothing there. And the Vichayim says, I'm telling you, there's a smell of Ganadin in this in this drawer. And he's smelling the whole dress. He says, in this drawer, there's a piece of Ganadin. And the Vichayim says, I want to see. So the Yid said, no. So the, the Rebbe opens the drawer. You know the Vichayim, right? You remember what he took out? You don't know? What did he take out from the drawer? There was a an outfit of a priest, of a Galich. There was a priest. You know, they used to wear these long... They still do it someplace. It was a whole, a whole lavush. Took out the, the, the thing from the priest. 
So Sanjo said, you must have some explanation for this. Because this is something that smells, that usually has a stench. The most horrible stench in the world is the stench of Avadazar. And the Vichayim, the Vichayim puts this down. He's afraid to touch it. He says, but I'm telling you that this smells from Gan Eden. And he looks at this Yid, and the Yid is a very, very, is a very, you see, is a God-fearing Jew. And the Vichayim says, maybe you could explain to me what, what's going on over here, why this has such a Gan Eden to smell. It's a piece of Avadazar. What's it doing? What do you have this in your house, and how come it smells like Gan Eden? So he didn't have a choice. He had told over home. I said, so I'm not going to go into it. But the, whole, the story basically was that he that he had to save the life of he had to save the life of a poor Jewish family, and in order to do that, he had to get money to pay for the ransom. And the only place that that the, the Jews still had money in the town was he went. He had to go to the to the bar, and they were the lowest Jews in the whole town. They were. Uh, and he and he said, "Look, I have a family that I need to pay ransom to get them out from jail. They're going to die." And the um, and he started laughing at him. And and then one of the fellows says, "One second, one second. How much do you need?" So he said, "I need uh, whatever." He said, uh, "He said ten thousand rubles. It was a lot of money." So the so the other the Jew the, the fellow in the bar said that I'll give you I'll give you it on the condition that you put on. He had he had. A, a galach, you know, an outfit of a priest, and and you march through the center of town. And I don't remember this also to say something, but like a fool, like a, and here's those like this. He was a big chassidish and to go through the center of town wearing a galach outfit, and and uh, you know, to, to, it's not good for your reputation. So he so he went he went like that. He made it's the whole thing. I mean, he decided to do that. That he had, it was, there was no time left. These people were going to, were going to be, you know, they were going to be taken to be killed. There was no time left, and he went, he went like that, and he went through the whole town, and he was, he had to say something silly, and he had to hold a glass of, of, of whiskey or something and scream out something crazy, and uh, and he went, and and, um, and he said, I, I I didn't know what to do with it, so I got the money and I saved, I saved the life of the family, and uh, and afterwards I came back and I was the, I was the laughing stock of the whole town. I didn't know what to do with this. This outfit that I had, and I, at first I thought that, uh, that, of course, my instinct was to throw it in the garbage. It's the most disgusting thing. I mean, but then I thought that with this I was able to save a whole family of Jews. So I didn't know what to do. So I, I just, I'm sorry, Rabbi. I, I don't know. I, I, so I kept it. So the, the Devichaim said, you should know that smells. This thing smells from Ganeidim. This piece of material smells from Ganeidim. And there are many, many stories like that. There are many stories like that of tzaddikim that they, that because of tzaddik, because we know that especially when it comes to smell, like it says about Mashiach, it says by Mashiach that he'll be able to smell. Marach the Gemara says, he'll be able to smell each and every one of us and to know how innocent we are, how guilty we are, Khalila. He's able to smell. But it says in Tosik, he's not going to judge with his eyes. He's going to smell. The smell is a very deep thing. That's the meaning of the, that's the meaning of, of, that's the meaning of the, Having the apple on, on Rosh Hashanah night and many other things, Reich Begodov, Reich Begodov, and so on. But the but there's a chush that a person develops over time, so that tzaddik has a smell for it. He smells things in that way. If you love money, and if that's your whole, that's the toiv in your life is money, then you have a chush. You develop a chush for that. Now the bechush ve'ach hechanit alaviach kesef. This is a certain chush 
that a person has. Where am I going to? Where can I make more money? And and what is, what is it that is dangerous? I might lose money. Kishodim, the bottom of the page. Kishodim If a person only knows something in his brain. But you don't live it. If you just know about it, but it's not something that you, it's not something that you that you live the emes. Somebody was telling me he was interviewing for a law firm, and the firm wanted to know. He was coming out of law school, and the firm wanted to know it was a hush of a place. They wanted to know: Are you prepared to live, to give your life, for this? You know, into this, into the position. He told me they asked him in such a way. You, like, you give your, your life into it. So I said, I guess it means, are you, you know, are you ready to work extra hours or something? I don't know. But, but he told me, no, it means that you have to, they want, they want, they want successful people. And the definition of a successful person is someone who, who eats, sleeps, breathes, lives, that everything, that's his whole mahus. That's his mahus. And, and from their perspective, they have a good point. That's, their point is that we're paying a lot of money for this guy. We don't want somebody that just, uh, that's, you know, that, he, that his chiyas is from his religion or from his family. And he just does this for, uh, for a job. He wants someone who's whole chiyas. You know, somebody who's chiyas. If you don't feel it in your heart that this is the taif, you don't live that taif, then you're not going to chase after it. That's the way life is. You're not going to go smelling for it and looking for it and wanting it. And, 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 and that's not, that's not what, what is the ultimate taif. So you don't have a good sense and a feeling you don't have a natural sense of feeling for those things that are going to bring you closer or keep you further away. It's a very important thing to understand. You know, there are certain things that if, that, that if they would ask me or you, we would say, you know, is this okay? So say, you know, it's not an Aveira. I don't see this as being an Aveira. Or they'd ask you about a certain way of dressing or a certain, is it against Halacha? Or maybe it's not against Halacha. A certain thing or a certain whatever it might be. A magazine, a book, a chais, whatever it is. So, is it against halacha? Maybe it's not against halacha. It could be. But it's not against halacha. But if the Chavetz Chaim would be in the house, you would say, oh, it smells bad over here. Something smells bad. And you look at it, well, what's, what is it that smells bad? A regular person who doesn't, who's not in love with Yiddishkeit, who doesn't live and breathe Yiddishkeit, and is trying to just follow the rules and to be, you know, Obedient to follow the rules, he doesn't necessarily smell the fragrance of Yiddishkeit and the stench of that which is not pleasing in God's eyes. There are things in life that might not be against Allah, but they certainly they certainly don't smell good. They don't smell good. You know, they there was a very very big meeting back in Europe at the time that time around the First World War around that time. The, the the Malchus, the government in Russia, Poland, they were they wanted to they, they made they wanted to make a law they were making a law that all the yeshivas have to have secular education. Again, to our modern sensitivities, so what's the problem? But 
keep in mind that that was a different time, a different place, so we're not getting into that. But they wanted to make a law that all the yeshivas have to introduce uh, literature and, and, and other things, secular things, which was which was uh, obviously not anything that was practiced in that time. So they were tumulting about this, and the Chavetz Chaim, the Chavetz Chaim already was an old man, Chavetz Chaim stood up, and he, and he said that it's be Yaharig Val Yavra. You know what it means, Yaharig Val Yavra? It means that you have to, we have to let ourselves be killed, not to have secular studies in the yeshiva. Yaharig Val Yavra. Now, everybody knows, the Chavetz Chaim is a very soft and gentle person, right? Aleph, and Beis, he didn't say things that were, we say, like exaggerations, and, oh, you don't really mean that, Rabbi, you know. When the Chavaz Chaim said, Yaharig Vayave, to die, he meant literally that we have to be prepared to die. If that's what's going to happen, we have to be prepared to die, not to do this. So all the other Rabbanim were tumulting until, they, until the, one, of the, one of the greatest of the Rosh Hashivas uh, stood up and he said, Rabbi, in all due respect, where does it say such a thing? We know that there are three things that you have to die for. And where does it say that the person has to die, not to have some math, you know, or something? Where does it say that? Where does it say? I mean, in halacha, where does it say that? So, Chavaz Chaim opened up his coat, and he ripped open his shirt. And he pulled open his shirt, and he says, Shtay, though. He says it over here. He says it over here. And then everybody was, okay. He says it in Chavaz Chaim's heart. Chavaz Chaim's heart is not the same as... Uh, they all knew halacha. They maybe Chavetz Chaim was very great, obviously. But so maybe there were there, there maybe there was there were there, there were others whose minds were as sharp as the Chavetz Chaim. But they knew that there was nobody in that room who was as lovesick for Hashem as as the Chavetz Chaim, who who lived a life of every second breathing God, and therefore when he said da, it says it over here. So they understood that that's real. They didn't smell that. They didn't smell that there's something that you die for. Chavz Chaim smelled it. Chavz Chaim felt it. There's a certain chush. And, and they conceded that that's something that they can't... That, that even on the Madrega, there were big people, but that, that, that there was something that Chavz Chaim was in a, in a different league. To be able to... to, be able to, to, be able to point to his heart and says, it says it here. It's written, it's written in fire in my heart that this is not what the Baruch Shalom wants. You know how many things there are in life that you might be able to get away with and I might be able to get away with pointing the finger in a book and saying how it's okay? But in the heart, in the heart of our hearts, it's not okay. But we have so much of a carving over the heart that we don't, we don't feel that anymore. But to the Chavetz Chaim, it was entirely clear. So we convince ourselves that this is okay, this is okay, that's okay, this is this is what's good, this is what's not good. But we're out of touch with that place of the, of the Chavetz Chaim because the Chavetz Chaim lived every single second where Taif, Dveikas Bashem is Taif. And therefore, to the Chavetz Chaim, anything that interrupts that Dveikas, anything that stands in the way of that Dveikas, of that attachment to Hashem, is ra, is bad, it's bad. It's not a matter of a Rambam and the Rivet, Ashokhan Arachim, Pasuk, 
there's something there's something that that is engraved. Not that it's not written in a sefer. It's written in the tzaddik's heart, because the tzaddik the tzaddik is, lives with that smell of the rabbi shlomo. He lives with the smell of the rabbi shlomo. That's why you see that you see that in Purim, Ban Megillah says that doesn't say Hashem's name. Doesn't say Hashem's book's name in the Megillah. And other everything is very hidden, as you know. I don't have to explain that. The whole Indian of Purim is very, very hidden. So what is that? It's not even. It's not even called. We call it Megillah Sesta, and it says Megillah, but really it's Nigeris of Purim, and the Megillah is called the the letter of Purim. And the Tzaddikim say that when that when people love each other, and they send each other a letter. So you don't just read the letter; you smell the letter. And 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 you and you know it's in between the lines and underneath the words and everything. It's not just what it says. There's much much more that it doesn't say, but you're able to feel. That's why I, I, I've mentioned many times over the years that 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 there are some people that they can they could give give shiurim classes to prove God's existence. And there are things that are written about that, and there are seminars and classes and so on. And and kolakavod for people who could do that. But I know that I can I can never ever do such a thing. Even though I re I read all, I read a lot of that, but I I couldn't do such a thing because I I I don't know how to I don't know how I don't have that way of talking to somebody. To it's like you tell me to you know to prove that that I have a, that my little daughter's name is Shifi and that that I love Shifi. And that I have to go. It, it, to me, it's an insult to Shifi, and it's too painful for me that I have sh that I sh lecture to anybody to prove that Shifi exists, or to prove that how I feel about it. It's, a, it's something which you can't either. You feel it. It's a chush. It's a chush that a person has. And and when a person when a person has that feeling, so then then he says, Adam the last few words on the page. Only when a person is immersed, the amis, the amis, in truth, the chipus hatoyv, seeking, running after that toyv, Yeshu Hashem behimotzai, running after that, as panecha avakeish, as panecha avakeish. Then a kadosh baruch hu, a kadosh baruch hu. Next page, Ayin Dalb, Makom leichushim pnimi. It's a miraculous thing when you're when you're mishuga chasing after God and and you're you're, you're going around. Trying to smell God, then Hashem's Baruch is Makhnaloi, then Hashem's Baruch gives you Chushim Pnimim. He gives you a special little gadget inside your heart, inside your, your brain and your nose, whatever, to smell Him. He gives you, you have access to a certain thing that's not, it's not natural. The Banshem is Makhnaloi, Chushim Pnimim. Chushim Pnimim. That's why, that's why. If you don't have that chush, and you talk to a person who has that chush, they sound like they usually sound like they're just like extreme or strange or whatever it might be. Right? So you could say something like, "Really, I don't see what's the big deal uh, to go to that party. I don't see what's the big deal. No one's doing anything bad at the party. What's the big deal?" That's how people who don't have the chush talk. People who have the chush, people, uh, uh, people who have the chush, would would feel that if I go to that party. It's like dying. To go to that place is much like dying. Why? Where does it say that? Why do you? What do you have to do there? What's so bad? 
and the other person doesn't have the chushkul say, so you know, for a few minutes, you know, and there's so many disagreements between these two people, you know that. It's a very, very big problem. You see this a lot in our generation, with a lot of the parents, that they don't have the chush at all. They just are doing it, unfortunately, many of them are doing it just because they have to, because whatever, they, they don't want any grandparents to be upset and ganadin or something. So they, so they do, they, they keep Yiddishkeit. Then the kid, the kid comes up somehow, this kid came home with a chush. You know, the kid came home with a smell of Yiddishkeit. And the parents just don't get it. I had, they, I know, I know, I know girls and boys, I know, that, that the parents drag them to Miami or something for Pesach, and the, and, and the kids sit locked up in a room the whole Pesach. They won't go out to the pool, they won't go out to the street, and the parents say, what's the big deal? I'm not asking you to look at anything. I'm not asking you to do anything. Why can't you just be with the Aunt Bessie and Uncle Sal and we'll sit by the pool and we'll have a little, we'll have a little smormouth or something? What's, you know, what's, the, what is it that's bothering you? What is the kid supposed to say? Ma, Dad, I love you. You don't, you just, you don't smell God. You just don't smell. You don't smell God. You don't smell the foulness. You don't smell the, the stench that's by the pool. You don't smell. There's a stench by the pool. It stinks. The mother looks at me crazy. You mean the chlorine? No, there's a stench. It stinks. The whole place stinks. The whole thing about the way people are sitting and talking. It's Pesach. Why are you sitting there like that? It stinks. Oh, you're saying bad about Jews. That's what you learned in Yeshiva. No, I love Jews. I'm not saying bad about Jews. It stinks over there. You know, nobody means anything there, but it smells. And when two people like this meet and they try to talk to each other, they can't. They can't communicate. Because you. The, because you can't explain that when you have that chush. Because the Barisham gave you a chush because you were seeking him. And when you seek him, he gives you that chush. He gives you that sense, that feeling, to smell him. Hergeshem dakim. I'm sorry, it's like one more minute. Hergeshem dakim. The very, a certain sensitivity. A certain sensitivity. You know, like they say, like, that, I don't know, that there's certain sounds that animals could hear that people can't hear. You know, things like that. There's a certain sensitivity that has. The Mara says, Elio Bali, Chazal say that Elianavi comes to the place, the dogs start to bark. The Mara talks about what that means. When dogs are barking, it means Elianavi's in that place. All the dogs are barking. It doesn't mean one dog, you just be machine. But all the dogs are barking, so that means that Elianavi's in that place. So the Mara talks about that. How come, what do you mean? Dogs are, dogs are, I don't mean that personally if you have a dog that you, that you, that's your friend or something. But, <laughs> but, but dogs are stupid. You know, they're not seichel. So how come the dog knows that uh, Elianavi is here and I don't know? So the explains because the dog is so poshit, it's such pashta, such a chayma, that they could pick up on there's something different coming from another world. They could pick that up. Because it's pashtas. Not because it's connected to, to Elionavi, but pashtas. But there is such a thing that you can't see something and you can't hear something, bechlal, and that something else can. And from Shemaim, they show that Sadik, they show this Jew with a chush, watch out, don't go to that place. This place smells bad, don't go here. The tzaddik mechadushim was able to tell if a glass wasn't put into the mikveh. They would bring him a glass, and he would say, "This was never titled in the mikveh. It wasn't in the mikveh. It doesn't smell. It never went into the mikveh. Doesn't make a difference. You put it, this glass in the dishwasher, that glass in the dishwasher. You rinse it a thousand times. It's just, this was never in the mikveh. Can't drink from this. Hakadosh Baruch gives them such a chush. Shemam lemimatzarich lizolamayesh lishayf uliskarv, and the Rambam shows them the. These things, where, where he's found, they feel it, they can smell it. That's something only com- that comes to a person who's Dairish Hashem. 
person who builds the pnimis and it's hard to know what's toif, what's toif. It's a chayim vesat toif. The same way that you and I smell any any little crack. If we'd be stuck, God forbid, someplace and there'd be a little crack where there's some air coming from, we would be able to smell that. We would run to smell that. So that's how he lives. That he's, he lives in a world where he's looking for any tiny little crack. So there's a little bit of the Rebbein but he could pick up on that through that crack. Other people don't see the They don't see anything here with the Rebbein Shalom. this place. They don't see that. Hashem is should help us that we should be able to, especially this time of the year, but for always, that we should be able to open our hearts and our minds and our nostrils to smell the Lakus and each and every one of us should be Nachtavim, Mr. Shal Sadiq.